You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. This is, this is the season where it's getting warmer. It's getting a little bit nicer out to take that walk. And it's, a, it's several reasons. It's, it's my birthday at the end of the month. I like that. Always, that's always a good thing. Uh, but it's Easter season. It's the Easter moment. And, um, you know, one of the things that I want to talk to you about this morning is the walk. Is the walk. God, we're on a journey. We're walking someplace. We're going somewhere in this place. Your life is, is meant to be moving and, and, and going somewhere. And, you know, the Masters Golf Tournament is on this weekend. And they say that's a good walk spoiled. Golf's a good walk spoiled. I don't know about that. But this is the first day of the week when the, the ladies went down. They walked to the tomb that morning, making their way to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. And that would become a walk of a lifetime for them. Never had they been on a journey like that. They couldn't even guess what was going to happen when they got out in that morning and began to walk to the tomb. And there are going to be several people. And throughout the Bible, there's several people taking these walks of the lifetime. I pray that you might be on the walk of a lifetime, that your journey would be full of just inspiration and motivate. that, that it's not just a, a tiring, wearisome walk, wearisome walk. That it's uh, the walk of a lifetime. I think that's what Jesus wants. That's what he reminds us today at, uh, on the day he rose from the dead. But first, a joke. A little boy named Pastor Craig. Uh, I, I, meant, I mean it to, you know, we don't want to pick on him all the time, but I do. Uh, was overheard talking to himself as he strutted down to the backyard wearing his baseball cap and toting a ball and a bat because it's baseball season two. He says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he goes up and he throws the ball in the air and he just takes a wild swing. Strike one. He says with undaunted, I am the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball up in the air and he takes a massive strike two. Undaunted still he goes up. I am the greatest hitter in the world. Throws the ball up even higher, and he takes this massive swing, and he misses it completely. And he says, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> optimism, right? Pastor Craig is an optimistic guy. It's not bad to have optimism in your life. Well, Good Friday, you looked pretty dark. It looked like strike three, Jesus was down, but Easter morning comes, and he walks out of the grave. And that's an exciting walk. The darkest day in history, which we commemorated on Friday, turns into the greatest celebration in history, the brightest day ever in the history of the world when Jesus walks out of, out of the grave. Think about it. Now, just, just think about it for a moment. Let, 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 let's believe that what we are worshiping and rejoicing in this morning absolutely happened, and it did. But let it filter into your heart. Think about it. The defeat of death. Jesus rose from the tomb is the greatest of all medical breakthroughs in all of history. We're always looking for medical breakthroughs. Can you imagine the hysteria? If the doctors at John Hopkins University discovered a cure for death, cure for death, there'd be people lining up. Well, that's what Jesus, the Son of the living God, did for us when he walked out of the grave. The Good News Times, we're all in the media, we're all watching our news feeds. Front page headline story. Breaking news. Cure for death has been discovered. Great physician announces breakthrough and fight against death. Death dies. Easter morning announces resurrected son of living God. Now that's a little pithy and a little fun, but, but if you allow 
this message and you allow what Jesus did on the resurrection morning to really settle in. It was a life-changing moment that you had never, you, you'll never, if you receive Jesus as your Lord, you'll never see death. Oh, you'll fall asleep in this world, but you'll arise in the next. You'll take your last breath here one day, but your, next, your very next breath will be in heaven. It'll be just like going to sleep and waking up in heaven. For to be absent from the Lord, from the body means to be present with the Lord. Scripture tells us that. This is an exciting day. Jesus walked through the valley of the shadow of death, right out the other side. And he wants us to do the same. He opened the door for each of us to experience walking out of the valley of shadow of death. For the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, dwells in you. The very same thing that caused him to break through the nuclear power exerted at the day of uh, of resurrection is within you and will be exerted when you pass to the next life. You may be walking through the valley of shadow of death, but you can get onto the road that leads to life. Today, all of us in this room are walking in the so-called road of life. It's a journey we're taking. We're all from the, from the womb, from, you know, little Blake one year ago came into this walk. It can, it can be an amazing walk and a good walk, not an easy walk. There's a difference. But you, you're going to be challenged, but it doesn't mean that your whole life will be challenged. It doesn't mean that it's not a good walk. It's, not, it's good to be here. And everyone knows, everyone in this place. Not a, and if you don't know, you will know at some point in time. It's not easy. This journey that you're on, this trip, this adventure has many twists and turns, ups and downs. All kinds of challenges and changes are always happening. We can't even expect it. The only thing we can do is expect the unexpected. But this you don't have to do. You don't have to walk alone. You never have to walk alone with Jesus. You can always have him next to you. And if you're blessed you'll have others the body of Christ to walk with you that's why it's so important to be part of a local church or someplace that they know you and who you are and can encourage you and help you and strengthen you and you don't have to give all your secrets or but you you want to be known this could be a lighthouse for you a place where somebody's going to come alongside somebody will help encourage and help you along there was an 84 year old study from Harvard University that began in 1938. They started interviewing people when they were 14 in 1938. World War II hadn't even happened yet. And they interviewed them all along, all through their lives, over 84% retention rate. I think there's around 1,500 uh, people that they began to interview at the beginning in 1938. And every other year, every extra year, and every 10-year period of time, they go and they have all these questionnaires. And, and what, how's your life going? How's your life? Well, all the different things. And so they had a bulk of, now at 84 years later, people are talking about they had what they were doing when they were 20, when they were 30, when they were 40, 50, 60, 78, all the way through. They have information. How's your life going? What, and everybody that was... The, this scientific study has told us what the Bible has said all along. But now it's empirically uh, verified through survey. They said the most important thing for a good life is walking with somebody, having a relationship. It wasn't the money. It wasn't the success. It wasn't the education. It wasn't all the houses and all the things. It was people. You need to walk with people. You need to and there's been a lot of unintended consequences that the pandemic has had happen over the, over the last number of years. But it's time to start walking again. And the best one you can walk with for sure is Jesus. On Friday, Jesus walked that dark road of the Via Della Rosa to his death. But on Sunday morning from the grave, he arose. And now he's walking in resurrection power and so can you. 
But like everything in the Christian life, everything, every like in a, everything in the follower's life, your walk with Jesus always will begin. And this is the catch for so many. It begins with a step of faith. The first step is always going to be faith. For without faith, the Bible says, you cannot please God. You can do a lot of things, you can't, but without faith, you can't please Him. And what is faith? Well, the Bible also defines faithless. It even tells us what faith is. Faith is being sure of things hoped for and certain of things unseen. None of you have seen the resurrection. I've never seen it, but I'm sure. I'm sure. I know that I know that I know. I, I have my Ph.D., past having doubt in Matthew gospel Jesus talks of two roads the one is a wide road that leads to destruction and the other one is a road that leads to life the narrow road is a road of faith and it's the less traveled by far few choose to follow it because it's so invisible faith for the just shall live by faith if you if, if you want to truly be a follower of Christ, you're going to have to include faith in your story. And living by faith is not easy because where the world is, show me and I'll believe you because seeing is believing. People of faith, believing is seeing. It's the opposite. It always is the opposite with God. But you least expect, you need to expect. Believing, you believe, and then you begin to see things about the journey, about this world that, 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 that the others look at and they go, that's just foolishness. How can you even hold on to a religious belief like that? That's silly. It's outdated. It's archaic. It's full of legends and fables and tales. No, I get it. Because you don't see what I see. You can't unless your first step of faith is belief. Christ has risen. The world thinks it's foolishness. I don't. I bank my whole life on it. The walk of faith began Easter morning in earnest. Up until then, Jesus had walked visibly, visibly among the disciples. But it changed. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark at the tomb, when Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other woman had walked to the tomb, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. As if, so, you know, I, I pause for a second, just commercial break here. Pontius Pilate had sent some centurions down to guard to guard the grave of the Son of God that he wouldn't come out. Okay, that's absurd. That anybody would think that a couple of centurions could hold the Son of God who created the earth, the world, the universe. Behind that stone is ridiculous. Back to the story. While the women were wondering who could have taken the body because obviously this is some kind of hoax. It's something's happening here. There's no way that a man could come alive again. It's some great grand conspiracy. And yet when they got there, their body, the body was taken. They met two gleaming angels from the invisible realm who said to him, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. It was the first mess. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Actually, he's not here. He's, he's moving. Jesus was risen. But where did he go? Ever thought that? Scripture actually tells us. He was out for a walk. <laughs> he was out walking. Scripture says that very day, two followers of Christ were walking to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
Emmaus was a small town back then, and just short of 11.5 kilometers away from Jerusalem. If Jody and I were walking to Emmaus, we'd walk many miles and kilometers over the last three months together. It would probably take us about two and a half to three hours of walking. Maybe more because the journey was a little bit more arduous than just walking on the streets. I like painting some pictures, some images that come alive for me in the scripture because the most amazing moments happen with Jesus in some of the most mundane moments when you least expect it. In this, in this case, on a walk. You know how good walking is for you? Doctors are always telling you, go for it. you got to go out walking. It had been three days since the man called Jesus, king of the Jews, had been crucified. Three terribly challenging days. And now in scripture we find these two disciples trudging their way along a dusty Middle Eastern dirt road. Winding through grasslands, past orchards, up and down rocky, low-lying hills. On that day, it would have been a road of solitude as they were walking, trying to contemplate, maybe quiet. There are moments, isn't there? I think this is true. As I meet people, I get opportunity to talk to people. So many of you, so many in here, most likely. There are those in here that feel like you're walking alone, isolated by yourself, no one really knows who you are. You don't disclose who you really are. It's challenging. Walking alone. One of the disciples, whose name is Cleopas, or Clopas, he's named as one of the ones walking on the road to Emmaus. The other one's not named. Very good chance it could have been his wife walking with him. I know that might be a little bit of a twist to the both, but... John chapter 19, Clopas, his wife was at the foot of the cross. And Clopas and Cleopas, I really did the research here, they think as the same person. Makes sense to be walking home with your wife, one at the foot of the cross watching Jesus die. The two began their walk early that morning after Jesus' body was missing. You can imagine, I can imagine, you can too, very distraught. They felt defeated. They felt discouraged. Depression was pushing upon them. Broken hearts, grief. Trying to make sense of the senselessness of Jesus' death. A lot walking that way. I've been there, probably many of you have been there when life makes no sense. Maybe when you're disappointed with God. I thought he was the one, Jesus, God. I thought he was the Messiah. He was going to set us free. He was going to do all these great things. It only got more confusing when Mary's news of Jesus having risen from the de dead came to them. Come on, that's impossible. Hoax. And so they were in this intense conversation on a walk from Jerusalem to, to Emmaus, rehashing everything that had gone on in their lives recently. What had gone on in Jerusalem, their leader, Jesus of Nazareth, Man, powerful word indeed. He'd done so many miracles, healed so many people. Teachings really transforming people. Handed over to be crucified between two thieves. It just wasn't fair. Both of them had saw the whipping and beating, the blood, the agony. and They saw Jesus take his last breath. But then something unusual happens on their walk home to Emmaus. 
In the distance, a, a stranger appears. Dust is coming around his feet as he walks, gets closer to them. Out of nowhere on this dirt road in the middle of this solitude place. The two don't recognize the man, yet he's a young bearded Israelite. He wants to join in in their conversation. May I ask, the Bible says, may I ask what you have been discussing? The two tired, overwhelmed disciples stop and stand still, faces downcast. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know that these things have happened there in these days? Catch, catch the humor in Jesus. This is in Scripture. Do you, not, do you not know what's been happening in Jerusalem? And what things? Like, Jesus knew it was all about him. What things? What a response. The stranger on the road then begins to share with the two all that Scripture had to say about what had to happen to the Messiah from start to finish over his walk. He begins to explain everything from Moses right through. This had to happen. This had to happen. All of the things. And they were walking there, fascinated, interacting. Scripture being illuminated to their hearts. Something turning, churning, taking place in their lives. By the end of the walk, as like I would be, and I usually am, hungry. Two men invited the stranger to stay and eat with them. By the way, that's how you treat strangers. You ask them in. Invite them in. And as, I, as he sat there at dinner, he... Bible says he took bread, broke it, and gave thanks. And in that moment, their eyes opened. It's Jesus. Oh, my goodness. It's you. The shock, the joy, the bewilderment, the, 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 the amazement of what's going on. You're alive. And at that moment, he vanishes from them. The Bible says their eyes were open, and they knew him. And that's when we read the kind of the theme verse I've chosen for the whole month of April, but in particular for this Sunday. Were our hearts not burning within us when he talked on the road and opened the scripture to us? I believe when you open the scripture and you're hungry and you're thirsting and you're sincere, and you're, that as you begin to read and encounter those scriptures will start to burn in. Something exciting. It's, it's, it's the only book that will never come back void. The word of God, Hebrews says, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive and active. It's, it's unlike any other thing in this planet is the word of God. He is the word of God. And then something amazing begins to happen. They're distraught and discouraged life. The defeated life turns to joy. What once was broken and fallen apart. The amazing thing is, as we see this, we see what happens. It wasn't just like, oh, that's cool. It's like, wow! Life has changed. It's Jesus. And the Bible says, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. See, when you're discouraged, distraught, that first trip, it, they, they were falling apart, those disciples. Broken, fearing, anxious. All kinds of things going through their minds. But then they see Jesus and he's real. He's risen, risen indeed. It's alive. He's alive and active. And they get up and it says they, at that very hour, they head back to Jerusalem. Another two and a half to three hour trip, probably in the evening. 
But they had to share with the other 11. We saw him too. We saw him. Our lives are changed. And what was a boring, slow, weepy, crazy walk was turned around. It was absolutely turned around. And it can turn around for you too. What's going on in our lives is the, the impact is not that this is just a historical event. I always go into Easter and say, I don't want to get too focused on the historical truth of what this says. And it is historically true. But that's not what brings life to people is the history. It's, it's what's contained. It's the revelation of the Spirit of God that, that jumps in your heart. Scripture says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is not just a historical thing that we embrace as cool. Jesus rose from the dead. No, it impacts everything about if you believe. And you dig down deep. And you open your heart. And you open your life. And you open the Scriptures. It can change and transform you. Like these two disciples, you can experience Him personally. And the fact of the matter is, He's been walking with you all along anyways. You just haven't recognized him. You haven't maybe felt him like you feel like you ought to. Or, but he's never left. He's walking with you now. You just don't recognize him. He brought you here today. Because of his resurrection, he's, he brought you. He, he tugged on your heart somewhere along the line. You didn't have to come. None of you had to come. This is, church is obsolete. What's the point? So, no, you came because something. It's not an accident. You see, you can be intellectually convinced that Jesus was the Christ and that he was risen from the dead, but until it comes by faith into your heart, you're not going to feel the full benefits and what he wants to do in your life. He wants to mend hearts. I believe that with all my, with all my soul. He wants to open eyes, help you to understand that just like the Thief on the cross, if you were here on Friday. Very last moment, your last breath is to be with Jesus. He wants you to believe in the power of the resurrection this morning. You see, it all really does boil down to what you choose to believe happens or happened on this day all those years ago. Jesus himself testified with these words before his death. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he closes it with this, looking at his disciples. I wish I could see you. It's too dark. He looks at them. And he says, do you believe? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you believe that this day is genuine, real, authentic? Not just a religious event, a life-changing, world-shaking moment in time when nothing coming after it would ever be the same. That's the way I walk. That's the way I want to walk. We're saying about walking out of the grave. Actually, we're saying about running out of the grave. I get excited when I hear that because I remember when I was defeated in my sin, 
when I had no purpose, when I didn't know what life was about. I was a lot younger then. But it doesn't matter what age. We all are searching for some type of significance, some type of meaning. And it's not just for the sake of it. I want to know the truth. And truth is hard to come by these days. But Jesus says, I'm the truth, the way and the life. Listen, I can identify with the Apostle Paul of Corinthians when, because he was knocked off his horse on a road to Damascus. He too was on a journey. And later, the Apostle Paul would say to the Corinthian church, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is your victory? He had the assurance that Jesus also was alive. Is there a greater story to be told? Is there anything bigger that makes us come alive more than the gospel? than the death and resurrection of Jesus? It's not a fable. It's not a legend. It's not just a fancy tale to make you feel good. But it is a narrow road. And we all have an opportunity to choose. I heard a, just a message yesterday Jody shared with me. Why would a loving God send anybody to hell? He doesn't. He doesn't send a single person. You see, we were all headed there anyways. Our sin pointed us in that direction anyways. We're sinners. We're headed there. If a boat was sinking and a lifeboat was put out there and you don't get on the lifeboat, you're going to go down with the ship. You're headed that way anyways. Jesus is our lifeboat. This death and resurrection is what saves us. So he doesn't send anybody. He only creates an opportunity for us to get on the boat, the lifeboat. He is our salvation. Oh, it's good. I'm so glad. Choose the narrow road, friends. Walk the path. Walk in the spirit. Discover that you can make it through the valley of shadow of death. All these things and more will be yours if you begin to walk with Jesus today. Let's close with a word of prayer. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're calling out people. You're encouraging them. And our walk on our journey has been difficult. There's been many twists and turns for so many in this room. We have felt distraught. We have felt defeated and discouraged. There are moments when we've wanted to quit, resign from this planet. But Lord, today, this day, this day of new life, new birth, resurrection, Easter, stone rolled away, power exerted in ways we cannot even begin to understand. And you want to come and live in us. You want us to be overcomers and victorious. You want us to face challenges and all of our fears and worries and doubts with strength and with courage. But that begins with the first step on our journey, the first step on our walk, and it's a step of faith. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that in this room this big, that 
for those that have never made decisions to follow Christ. To explore him, to search after him for the significance and why they were born into this world. I pray that this might be the day that new life would be in them. That they would believe. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. And I'm not, for this Easter weekend, it's, my impression in my heart is to not even ask for hands to go up. But just that if you pray this prayer genuinely, authentically, that the cry of your heart would, Jesus, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. That you would pray this prayer that, we're about to, that I'm about to lead in. And when you pray it with all of your heart, if you mean it, you can think it, you can pray it under your breath. But Jesus hears. So pray this prayer with me, church. All of us that have prayed before, and, and maybe you're here and you've just been kind of teetering and you've been a little lukewarm right, lately, but we want, God wants you to fan the flame of the gift inside of you and make it white hot burning again in your lives that you might head back to tell the 11 disciples that you would proclaim it from the mountains and from the rooftops. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, let's do it boldly today, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, Easter Sunday, when the stone was rolled away and you came out of the grave. Truly, you are the son of the living God. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, all unrighteousness, every transgression. For today, Easter Sunday, I give you my heart. I place my faith in you. And I will live for you for the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Something happens when you... Pray that prayer. Something gets stirred up. You say it's just, it, it may be just a seed planted. But if you play, prayed it authentically and genuinely, you're born again. And God's going to do something new. You're on a new journey, a new walk. It's going to be a great one. You're going to come out of the shadows of death and going to walk into the light of God's love and mercy. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.